This is Shadowcast Radio. Bro, that's a savage sound. You done it. You're listening to Shadowcast Radio <laughs> with your host here, Owen, and the blessed man of the cloth, not Preacher the blessed, P. Not the blessed man of the cloth. <laughs> Maybe someday. But I'm, I'm P. And we also have our consulting theologian with us today, mm. hailing from the sky, Birdman Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that's very generous. Well, mm. tell, actually, can you tell us a little bit of your background? You personally... Through an assistant, don't you know the creator of Bible Project, from what I'm understanding? <laughs> Through an assistant. <laughs> oh, man. You're being, you're being, let me get this straight. You're, getting, you're being personally mentored oh. by one <laughs> Timothy that, Mackey. That's the way I understood oh, it. Oh, this I, is... This is going to be questionable. <laughs> is, our, our, is our research accurate? No. So I am very blessed and thankful to be able to uh, go to Western Seminary up in Portland and... Uh, Tim Mackey is one of the professors there, and so he's doing our um, done a Old Testament class with him that's been just super good, and um, I love the Bible Project as well. And, yes, um, so if you're not familiar, um, uh, the Bible Project is a nonprofit organization started by uh, Tim Tim Mackey and uh, John Collins, right? And their residents in Portland, Oregon, and it's really kind of a taken fire. So their whole goal, I guess, right, was to really provide a visual aid for understanding um, the Bible. They put out a, a video detailing, sort of overlaying each book mm-hmm. in the Bible, mm-hmm. and they have theme videos. So uh, we would highly recommend that you check out that resource. It's, if you just do Bible Project YouTube. You'll find hours of wonderful content. Oh man, it's awesome! You know what? I can't real. I actually don't understand how he's able to do as much as he does. Oh. From what I understand, he's a he's well, a father. Yeah, father. Uh, he has know. the Bible Project nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm, yep. He still runs. He's a, a professor at right. a seminary. Right. And, and didn't you? And did personally you? mentoring me. And he's yes. no. <laughs> That's a that's job a, in and of itself. That is not true. That is not true at all. You guys know you just go bowling when you go down could you, to Portland. Could you, uh, could you give your mentor a call maybe uh, have him on, the, on the episode? Yes. You know, he's got a lot going tonight, and so I just I want to respect his time and space. Uh, understand. We don't uh, want to be that pushy. You don't want but to be I that do guy. Need his but, we do need his, <laughs> but we do need his influence to get uh, this podcast going. Man. Man. That's awesome. Well, we are, um, we're excited to have you. Um, Pete and, and I was I was telling Preston we actually between all the 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 brothers we actually all call each other Pete so mm-hmm. if you hear that you know we're we're talking about Birdman so Nate. Owen and Nate are our brothers in case you're yes. not uh, if you haven't caught that yet yes yep. Nathan yep. the older brother yes and tormentor of the younger you know and the younger mentor tormentor no. torture <laughs> so can I I gotta throw out a fact if you're putting it out there that we're brothers and my brothers, uh, Owen, and then my other brother, Nolan, and uh, I have some honorary brothers, Preston, certainly among that number, mm-hmm. but uh, yep. I just love them about more than anyone else. Uh, I got to say my wife and kids, because otherwise I'd be in yep. trouble, but, uh, <laughs> but interesting fact, there is one person that did try to get me sent away to a youth home oh. slash prison during childhood and it was this lovely brother right yeah. here so. you know what i did it it was tough love, it was tough love. <laughs> well i'm glad god was sovereign and you were not in I, that really, I really felt like you had a future in the boys home but uh the lord willed against it so yes. Yes. <laughs> the lord protected you exactly mm. hey so we got an awesome topic here i'm i'm actually really excited to to talk about this um um, it's it's going over the original call, and I guess the the, the mm. way you could you could say that we're going to cover a number of topics that go in that, but it it it, uh, it changes from the original call to dropped calls to questionable calls into our own divine call, mm. and so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But before before we get too far into that, I was I got to tell you guys something. It was I was looking over some some funny. Um, GoFundMe accounts. I don't know if you guys have ever <laughs> looked at uh, some of the, the requests on there, but I actually ran across one 
where a girl was raising money on a GoFundMe account because uh, she booked the wrong plane tickets for her friends for her wedding in India. And so <laughs> her, did, her, uh, did it, it work? Reads, it reads like this. So some girl is having her wedding in India, but accidentally booked the wrong tickets for two of her best gal pals because planning her wedding is like so stressful. <laughs> so now it's all of our problem. In all this chaos, I accidentally booked the flight to India with the incorrect return date. Um, she writes, Kerr explains that she now needs $1,200 to fix this mistake and encourages people to help spread the word because there is definitely no cause that deserves strangers' philanthropy more than this. So if you guys want a worthy cause, I'm going to throw that one out here and did, uh, help her so her friends can get back home from did, her wedding. Did she mm. raise <laughs> the money for the tickets? I <laughs> I hope so. Well, <laughs> if you're bold enough to put out a, a request like that, I think you should. You should and then the just money. blame nothing. Have you guys ever but, ran into any ridiculous charities that are far out there, off the wall? Oh, oh, I've got, I've got some gems. <laughs> I'd love to hear. <laughs> so, Tell us what you got. So, uh, so you mentioned that um, you wanted to do this, and of course, I had to start with the Google, and then um, from there it. Rabbit, it rabbit trailed pretty quickly, <laughs> so, as you can only imagine. As but, Google always does. Yeah. So a few of the ones I found that I cannot uh, confirm nor deny the validity or if these are even real, but they're great nonetheless. Um, so you had the Egoist Anonymous. Um, <laughs> this is a charity. <laughs> the these Egoist are Anonymous. Egoist Anonymous. <laughs> these are all nonprofits. Of course. So this next, I don't know if Doctors Without Borders uh, just had too high of standards, but apparently a new nonprofit called Doctors Without Diplomas is out there. <laughs> Could we make this podcast a nonprofit? Uh, By chance? Oh, man. You get a tax break, uh, don't you? I feel like their their uh, patient uh, retention rate would be 0% oh, yeah. after. Oh, it's questionable, <laughs> at least. Um, the Society for Redundancy Society. <laughs> Are people do these these actually get? Money? I'm pretty. I have no idea. Wow. And again, I can't confirm that everything on the internet is accurate. But, but I feel is. in my heart that if these aren't accurate, they should be. <laughs> my probably my favorite though was the International Introvert Initiative, which has mm. since disbanded. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> About rings true uh, to its name. So there's those. I like it. Introverts unite in your individual rooms. And we're done. And we're done. I so like I, I, I did find one that I thought was real real quirky and real useful and mm. I think would be really, really interesting. So um, this, this nonprofit is called Helping Hands Monkey Helpers. Wow. Okay. Wow. I thought so you were going to say helping from hands. The top like, a lot of people is, are going to be annoyed right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> is uh, Blue Cross. No. Um, so just from Helping Hands Monkey Helpers, I'm curious. What, what do you think this nonprofit does just from the title alone? Hmm. I don't know. I would fire that PR person. <laughs> yeah, that's... who created that name? Yes. <laughs> that was their first mistake. I don't know. Maybe they, uh, maybe they rent or loan or donate out monkeys that are trained to be helpers. Okay, can do tasks with okay. their hands. I don't know. I think you're. On, I think you're on the right track. So, Ooh. so this is. Um, I'm on their website right now. I'm going to read the who we are um, blurb real quick. So, uh, again, this is helping hands monkey helpers. Who are we? Um, let's see here. We are a nonprofit organization that helps adults with spinal cord injuries and other um, mobility impairments live more independent and engaging lives. We do this by providing them free of charge with a unique service animal, a highly trained, uh, is it capuchin? Capuchin yep. monkey mm -hmm. uh, to help with their daily tasks. The only organization of our kind. We raise and train these special service animals carefully match them with appropriate recipients across the nation and provide active support and care for the education or excuse me, um, for the duration of each placement. So instead of getting like a help service dog, these are sort of help service capuchin monkeys a service capuchin. How? So 
you can only imagine like if you need to get something done you just sort of send your capuchin monkey to go and Man, conduct these tasks for you so it's a non-profit that actually wow. started this organization so think about that that's that's, That's impressive that such is. an organization exists. I, I somehow wonder, though, that you've got to have like weather restrictions <laughs> that would never They have come. to sign a waiver, yeah. I'm sure, of oh, sorts. have a tiny kombucha with a parka on up here, and I don't know how long that would last. That is a niche be market. Pretty cute, I am curious what kinds of tasks they're training these oh, monkeys yeah, to do. Man. Like, just let your brain take you where <laughs> it will. <laughs> Set on I'm it. sure there's limitations, <laughs> though. Man, you like, almost make me feel bad for saying I'm fired. I mean, could person. you have him go hit? <laughs> not, You're kind not of brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got to get on that list. I think Ooh. of the... Uh, Free of charge, too. Mm. Uh, the night at the museum where the monkeys are slapping... Um, what's his name? I wonder if yes. you could have them go slap <laughs> someone that's like, annoying you. Like, would that be in there? You'd have to pay that's extra for the violent fee. <laughs> that's extra. You have to borrow money from the charitable donations uh, more do to get. Fighter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, monkey, go turn off the light. There it is. Wow. Perfect. Hey, Useful. so we're gonna jump in and say this this topic of the original call, and uh, I think uh, right now the call a man. We hear so much about it, but uh, the proposed answers are probably way outnumber the variations of that question in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I love this clip that talks about uh, some people have a feel like they know right off what the call of man is. Here's this case. Arthur, this is the Holy Grail. Look well, Arthur, for it is your sacred task to seek this Grail. That is your purpose, Arthur. The quest for the Holy Grail. A blessing, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. <laughs> and and it's as clear as that too. <laughs> In that case, it might be King Arthur. That is how it works, though, right? <laughs> I would so, somewhat actually clearly claim Monty that. Python. I mean, uh, so I, I laugh at that, but uh, there's actually some. Um, when you get to that question, what is the purpose of man? There are actually some very rough views on on that, and and sad, mm-hmm. and can be very dark. and And I, I think in one of those cases uh, is is another one that Jim Carrey gave an interview, and uh, he's usually uh, a hilarious um, TV personality. But they got him for an interview on this, and he was talking about the uh, meaning of life, and I think. You know what? Uh, I wanted to share this because because it is a question that we all run across at mm-hmm. one point in life. It was more like you're supposed to say, you know, we're important. And you're yeah. supposed to say it's all going to be all right, and you're supposed to say uh, that you know whatever you dream can come true, and you're supposed to say all those things. I do believe in manifestation, power of that kind of stuff, but I don't believe that any of it matters. You know. And so that, man, that is probably one of the, the saddest interviews. If you actually carry his, some of his thoughts through mm-hmm. um, to their logical end, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people will stop there and say, I can't handle thinking about this because mm-hmm. the implications of, of his belief right there, if you stop, man, you have to because you start getting depressed because you think about, mm-hmm. oh, man, what are the implications of that? Mm-hmm. And uh, another another actor got on a night show, Amanda Pete. She got on Stephen Colbert's show. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, they do another, another great interview where it's real light. But she came in with this and uh, this question, and they they carry it across as as comedy as the show is mm-hmm. but in it you can tell that there is actual a real wonder that she is seeking truth yeah. and i think this is a this is a good example of that well, what do you, what do you, like, what, it keeps what, me... what do you worry about i mean if if, if midlife crisis often I like fear facing death. your own death yes okay well maybe what's i wonder we about... all die we all die right keep it light and so he, he even gives her a, gives her a uh, you, you know hey keep this light because that's that's a tough question yeah and uh, what what I like is she goes on in the interview 
and actually uh, uh, addresses what she was yeah. saying. Well, what so do what do you need? What do you need? I need to know what to believe in. Like what happens when you die? Yes, I don't want to mm. be a bag of dust. And I remember that interview. stuff like that where you, where people are laughing in, in the, in the mm. background, but that is sincerity in her mm. voice. And so yeah. I think that we can address these questions because mm. whether you're a, a believer, follower of Christ, or you're not, you're going to come up against this question, like, why are we here? Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and so I want to take that further and look into that because I think we can all benefit so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, to people where even Jim Carrey says, no, this is the decision I've arrived at. Mm -hmm. It's all meaningless. Mm -hmm. We're bags of dust. Yeah. And she said, I don't want to be a bag of dust. Yeah. But notice that's he might say that because he's trying to be consistent with his own worldview. But notice what these people are doing. They might believe, and I don't know what her, her beliefs are specifically, but um, they might believe that they're bags of dust, sort of, uh, ob uh, this sort of came about through this process of evolution and random chance, and it kind of led to you today. Um, however, then they begin to ask questions about the meaning of life, the purpose of life. What's my point? That leads me to my first question for you guys is how far back into the Bible do we go to understand God's original call for man? Mm. Well, I think the very first pages of the Bible really address and set the stage uh, for the whole biblical story, which is um, really outlaying what God's plan is with humanity. And so we open up the beginning of the Bible and we see that God is the creator of all things in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And then what he does is he begins to then, in a sequence of six days, uh, begin to create uh, different categories of things, right? And uh, if you're a Christian, you've, you've heard the, you know, you're familiar with the story of God, the creation story. There's six days. Man's created on the sixth day, so that's an extra special day, right? And then on the seventh day, God rests. And uh, then after that, there's actually a sort of mini interjection of a narrative about man, what man's role is now. Mm -hmm. And so it says that Adam was planted into the garden and then he begins to now image God. He begins to now cultivate this land. And so this is kind of the first theological point that I want to get into. What's interesting here, if you're familiar with the story of the Bible, is that what God's doing is he's taking um, ex nihilo is the Latin phrase. God is creating something out of nothing. He is creating, the, the, the Bible would portray an image of darkness and chaotic waters. And then land is produced from that, which is an image of stability. And then from there, he plants you know, land creatures, etc. And so out of nothing, God creates now these things through which life can appear. Now he plants man in the Garden of Eden, and now he commissions him to do the same thing. He commissions him to now be a gardener and now create order where disorder would ensue. Okay. And so if you weren't going to cultivate a garden, then, then mass chaos would occur. Any gardener would see that. And so now his specific role is to now create order in his own very context in the Garden of Eden. And he commissions him with this very important, um, uh, with this very important call. He calls Adam to... Uh, exercise dominion over all the creatures of the earth to exercise dominion and to rule over them. And so that's the context in which we are presented with the Bible. So you're going, you're going back all the way to the book of Genesis to see this original yep. design. The very so, first human. So Nate, let me ask you this. Then what if, if you had someone like Jim Carrey come up to you and say, then what what is what is God's design? How would you how would you put that in a way so that he a message is sent loud and clear, not from what you say, but from what mm -hmm. Scripture tells us or the Bible? Yeah, I I totally agree with Preston that we go back to Genesis one, uh, day six, which is um, I think key in that, or verses twenty six through twenty eight. Um, but really, God is 
uh, making humanity, and that's Adam. So it's men and women, all mm-hmm. of humanity in his image. To me, this sets up a plot, the plot, uh, later, but that word for image is Selim, which is where the word idol comes from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so God is making right, idols. Of, of himself. <laughs> um, so it sounds wow. scandalous, but really it's we're literally images supposed mm-hmm. to point to the divine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would, I would really huh. uh, define that call as twofold, that we're supposed to rule on his behalf, just mm-hmm. as Preston said. Um, so we're bringing order from beauty, um, just as God did. Like he said, Preston um, mentioned this, but the those the chaotic waters, those words are tovu vavohu, which is a cool phrase in Hebrew, but it is chaos. So he brought order from chaos. Mm-hmm. And so we are called uh, to do the same thing. And I think that, so we image God and we rule creation on God's behalf really is, mm-hmm. I would say the two, so, the two points. Mm. Well, okay. So this image, this idea of an image bearer mm-hmm. that we're actually image bearers of God himself. That's, mm-hmm. that's an incredible thought. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let me ask, let me take that a little bit farther than, uh, if that's God's intent, how did man get so far away to where I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about a hit song is all we are is dust in the wind. How did we get from point mm-hmm. A so far off into the weeds to not even point B? I'm talking mm-hmm. we're, we're at that, the, near the end of the alphabet to mm-hmm. where we lose our purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to sort of uh, restate the sort of the uh, the story here, man comes from humble beginnings. He's made out of out of dust. And then God crafts or forms man out of dust, and then he breathes the breath of life in him. And so us being commissioned to exercise dominion over God's world, we do recognize that we are, um, that we are created beings who are commissioned to fulfill or do this act of imaging God acting as co-rulers, right? And so then, uh, but what's interesting is that you have to now think about, uh, th- uh, place yourself in Adam's shoes. Imagine that you are a creature and you're just learning now about who God is, his world. Um, there's a level of learning that still needs to uh, happen on the part of Adam in order to be able to rule, to be a good, wise ruler. And so, presented before Adam in the very first uh, instruction in the Bible or uh, uh, command, like a divine command, uh, Adam is given the, uh, the choice to, uh, either obey God or to disobey God. And he's given the divine command to, uh, either, or God commands Adam and Eve by the time, if you're familiar with the Bible story, story, Eve is created, uh, from the side of Adam, mm-hmm. right? His rib is what most translations say. Um, and so Adam and Eve are Queens and Kings in this sort of temple garden area. And so now as these sort of priests, if you're familiar kind of with biblical language, there's, they're a, sort of acting as priests. If you uh, remember in the, um, in the law, how there was a tabernacle and a temple that was attended to by the Levites. Uh, now, Adam and Eve weren't Levites necessarily, but they were acting, the language is the same, they were acting as sort of Levites in this temple. Mm-hmm. And so now they have to obey God's commands. So presented before them is a choice. So they're supposed to rule. They're supposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. obey God's yep. commands, yep. and they're commanded to enjoy the garden. Mm. Sounds like a pretty easy, yeah, pretty, like pretty something easy so perfect. It's so so beautiful and lovely. Where something clearly went wrong. Okay, um, but there's a choice. So okay, so, so, so you're saying at at the choice was where the decision, where two paths diverged. Okay, so. Here's what's here, here's the point I'm trying to really strongly emphasize here. So man is in the garden enjoying fellowship with God. Both Adam and Eve are enjoying fellowship unveiled with God. With their creator. With their creator. Right. And they're commanded to enjoy the fruits of the garden. Mm-hmm. But there's one particular tree and its fruit that they are supposed to avoid. The tree mm-hmm. of the knowledge of good and, and evil. Mm-hmm. Right? And so God says if the moment you eat of that tree, you will surely die. But... Enjoy the rest of the garden. The, the, the Eden means delight. So the garden of delight. Delight in God. Enjoy the garden. Um, and so then, now, we have the setting 
uh, the mm. biblical narrative, and now become now comes sort of the plot tension um, of the story. Well, Nate, let me let me ask you this: Do you do you have maybe, and maybe this is this is something that I struggle with? Where, how did that decision get off the tracks, the rail when they're they're up against that mm. that decision? Yeah, uh, to where God has provided them an option of of top of the line delight, yeah, delight. Enjoy. Delight. <laughs> delight. I don't know why, but I like delight. Yeah. It's just a fun word. It's a great word. Um, yeah, no, I uh, <clears throat> I think that really when you look at the when you look at the choice that was presented them, um, you have the serpent show up, which again, Genesis one through three is not a meant to be an exact account of all exclusive uh, details of how everything went down because this mm-hmm. serpent just appears and you're like, well, how did he, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the thing is he presents the choice of really it's the knowledge of good and evil. And so God has set what he has said is good and evil. Mm-hmm. So they have the choice to trust his definition of good and evil, or they have the choice to redefine good and evil for themselves. And the serpent is saying that's what separates God from humanity is the ability to define what is good and evil. And so if you take this fruit and eat, you will be like God in that you can now define good and evil for yourself. And, of course, the horrible irony of it is the thing he told them is you can be like God. And yet they were. Images His images. Yeah. We were like God. Yeah. They are completely yeah. were That's like good. God. Through deceitful tactics, the serpent, mm-hmm. the spiritual rebel, convinced Adam and Eve that they weren't actually what they what mm-hmm. God had commissioned them to do. Yep. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you say that because these decisions that Adam and Eve came up against, mm-hmm. a choice to define good and evil for themselves, mm-hmm. yep. did not stop with Adam and Eve. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And that's that's coming with every single human is mm-hmm. run with that same dilemma. Mm-hmm. And I guess w- what are some examples then mm-hmm. of uh, that temptation, like showing the, its implications mm-hmm. when it comes to distorted callings? Like, I guess mm-hmm. what are some good examples of distorted callings that that people may have? So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if this is allowed, but I, is it is it okay if I go back really quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Because that question is going to be super good, but I think it's going to be set up by what Preston alluded to. We talked about the two, the original call being to um, image the creator and then rule creation on his behalf. And I think that it's important to bring out both of those. I look at um, Genesis 2, uh, verse 5, when it, uh, let me go there real quick, just to bring that uh, rule creation on his behalf point out, but... Uh, this is, a, of course, a parallel narrative of creation in Genesis 2, kind of paralleling Genesis 1. But it says, Before any plant of the field was on earth and before any plant of the field had sprung up, because Yahweh God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no human being to cultivate the ground. So you have have this idea that he's created, but it can't reach its full potential because there wasn't humanity yet to cultivate mm-hmm. it. And so uh, I like hmm. the I like the analogy and Tim I'm completely ripping this off from Tim Mackey but he gives the analogy of an apple tree you know if left alone it'll produce apples it can feed you know it can mm-hmm. feed someone maybe a few people but you put humanity in charge of that now he can prune it he can cultivate it they can mm-hmm. um, create create a whole grove out of it they mm-hmm. can feed thousands now because it had humanity tending it as as we were meant to to bring Mm -hmm. uh to bring rule creation on god's behalf so there's a kind of so there's a kind of raw potential built within god's created order yes that needs guidance now there's a guidance that's needed and so god has Mm -hmm. commissioned humans to act as sort of the the barriers now to cultivate yes uh, raw material in such a way that it'll I useful. Like, I yep. like that you mentioned that because the, people will try to distort that and say mm-hmm. that God needs us mm-hmm. when that's completely wrong. It's giving the picture that that was God's design to use. Absolutely. Man. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. And so it's it's good to I love that because that's a great example that that was God's design to mm-hmm. use us mm-hmm. in in that. And I like that picture. That makes that gives a clear example of that. Mm-hmm. And so then post fall, what is it that man begins to do? He mm. begins to fulfill a calling that is kind of similar to this call to rule creation, to make farms, to produce farms, to uh, to produce crops, to have sort of economies build up in small mm. little towns where mm. people interact and they trade and bargain. Um, however, post fall, now we begin to do these things in a sort of selfish way. Right. And so that becomes now the sort of motivating agent. I'm doing these things. I'm ruling creation, but in a sort of with selfish ambition. And um, and I'm sure, of course, that our falliness can be expressed in a multitude of different ways. Uh-huh. Sure. But maybe through whether it's um, like sketchy business practices or whatever. Mm. But notice the hint of that original call still prevalent within That's image good. bearers I that like results that. just naturally. Yep. Mm. And so we have, oh man, so we have like zoos. So so Adam's commission was to also likewise ostensibly take care of creatures uh, to name them mm-hmm. and to uh, take care of them. So it's coming together as a clear picture that we, we, we've talked about the original call, mm-hmm. how God has called us. He designed us to be his image bearer. He mm-hmm. designed us to produce through us, yep. to, to, yep. To, to rule. To, to rule. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen variations of that uh, that have been slightly distorted mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. where men is now saying, hey, I'm going to be an image bearer for he's myself. He's going to replay, well, right. yes, he's going to replay the fall of Adam in Genesis chapter and it's, 3. And it echoes some of that call, but it's been distorted. Mm-hmm. And so it's not God's call. So mm-hmm. here, that brings me to the, to the next, um, I guess another thought is, has God's call for man today changed mm-hmm. any from the original call? Uh, you know, we've gone, we've messed things up. And so, does God have a plan B? Uh, Or, uh, I guess, has God's call changed at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, in a word, no. Um, I think that certainly that's been distorted, as Preston said. Now we use that innate ability of of being the rulers and and, uh, caretakers or cultivators of creation uh, and we use it for our own, what we define as good or evil. Mm-hmm. You know, we define now that maybe it's good to harness atoms and make atomic bombs. Or mm-hmm. we, you know, say, oh, I'm going to harness money systems and mm-hmm. take advantage of people. And yep. But sometimes we do use it for good. So I think that's still there. And then as far as imaging God, it's not, in a way, it's not something we do. It's something we are. We mm-hmm. are image bearers. So mm. you look at the most corrupt person. I like that. Sitting next to you on the subway or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. that person is still the image of God. Um, and so, but it's, I've heard the analogy of like beautiful ruins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's beauty uh, for what, for being an image bearer, mm-hmm. but it's also ruins. It's not mm-hmm. its potential. It's not what it was created to be. And certainly as believers, when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling, um, we more fulfill that uh, image-bearing uh, commission. But really, humanity defined is image-bearers. So it's mm-hmm. not, are we mm-hmm. doing that or not? We are. That. Yep. Okay. And so the image it's of not God. A matter of, it's not a matter of trying harder. Mm-hmm. To be God, to not to be, be God. Godly. I'm sorry, <laughs> to be godly. <laughs> what? We're trying to be God. That's the problem. Tim that Mac- is the problem. Tim Mackey, don't unfriend me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I can't find so, you so, uh, to do a so, so, Christ so, oh, in the first place. Come on, man. 
<laughs> so so the image of God then in um, in us has been marred, but right. not destroyed. Absolutely. And so there are still sort of aspects in which we mm. attempt to image God, but we selfishly define good and bad right. by our own definitions and not mm-hmm. by God's. And so now you have the storyline of the Bible in which there's a problem. There's a human mm. condition. Mm. We're still in Adam, the original man who felt he had this divine commission, right. um, but he for but but he um he traded that for personal autonomy mm-hmm. and yep. so now where man is exiled from the garden and it seems like all hope is lost mm. okay well okay that brings me to this and then this question how about for those who are followers of of Jesus Christ already mm-hmm. and following the divine mandate that God has set out his in his original call mm-hmm. versus those who have rejected God mm-hmm. um, altogether and say, Nope, that's, that's not my call for me. I'm mm-hmm. going to make up a different call. What it is, mm-hmm. is God's call for those two groups different? Okay. So let's, um, there's a lot of biblical history that we're going to have to skip over. Um, the bio, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, fast forward. So Adam exiled from the garden. There, there is a promise, however, that a seed of the woman was going to come and crush the serpent's head. Um, and so for, uh, for New Testament history, Jesus is now presented as sort of the remedy or the answer that that seed was going to come, right? Absolutely. And so through his work, his ministry, his perfect life, his um, his death, burial, and resurrection, which was a substitutionary sacrifice. Now, uh, through faith in him, we can be reconciled back to God. And so now, where man was exiled from the garden, so Genesis chapter 3, where man's exiled from the garden, Jesus now provides a way for that relationship to be restored, right? And so now... Uh, Christian theologians call this the process of sanctification. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the process of sanctification is the act by which the Holy Spirit intervenes in in a Christian's life by which he is now slowly or progressively transformed back into the Adam ideal, right? Back into Jesus, the second Adam. And so now our duty or role as Christians, those who um, are followers of Jesus, is now to fulfill that call and forego our own definitions of good and bad. Absolutely. And substitute those for what Jesus taught, mm-hmm. right? And so when you say, like, is, is one different than the other, the Christian for the, for the non-believer, the non-believer is still an image bearer of God who yes will... No. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a yes and no, I, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, there. Yes I mean, no. what, are your, what are your thoughts there? Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, the, the non-believer is still created in the image of God. Yeah. And, and, and he can't help but act like an image bearer. Right. And, and has the, that same mandate. However, mm-hmm. because of sin and um, that choice to redefine good and evil for themselves and also going all the way back to Adam, mm-hmm. um, they, I, I guess you would say, are unable to fill fulfill that completely yes yep. and so it's a Absolutely. partial because they're not empowered version. by the holy spirit in the first place amen right to to mm-hmm. fulfill and so let's that original call totally mm-hmm. and so but let's let's grant let's grant it grant this though the, the christian is not able to fulfill this call perfectly in and of himself absolutely either. correct but yep. it's only because he put his faith in jesus absolutely. and his perfect righteous obedience and so Jesus pre- is presented in the in the New Testament as the Adam who obeyed the test. Mm. All right, and so That's how good. as Adam he failed to obey the test, he saw, desired, and he took the fruit. Yep. Jesus himself he forsook his own desires. He says he could do nothing apart from what the Father had commissioned him to do. Oh, that's good. And so he obeys the Father, though Jesus is himself God. He acts as the perfect human, the perfect obedient yep. uh, co-partner with God. And instead of defining for himself, though he could ostensibly as the Son of God define for himself, mm-hmm. he forgoes that right of his, and he obeys the Father perfectly. Yet, he substitutes his perfect life grants those to his followers who have faith in him and dies the death they should have had, right? So Christians are now in the process of what we had called sanctification, whereby they are now beginning to fulfill this call, Mm -hmm. not necessarily purely from an outward stance. (laughs) Is there a reason that keeps... (laughs) So, 
so so Christians now, though incapable of fulfilling this commission perfectly to act in perfect godliness mm-hmm. as his um, as his co-rulers of creation, um, we have the righteousness of Jesus. That is, but the practicality cool. like, yeah. of justification and the Spirit's role in our lives is that we are going to now begin to act more like pre-fall Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Act more like Jesus as we were designed to. Yep. Which well, is and a I want to, you know, and I want to, I, I want to move this to t- kind of down a final avenue, which talks about God's uh, design for the believer's life. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess a lot of this question has been asked: whether you're, you can be hmm, four years old, or you can mm-hmm. be seventy years old, mm-hmm. retired, and saying, what. Does God have any plan for my life? Mm-hmm. Does he have a will for my life? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to to look at how do we exactly pursue that call mm-hmm. when we can live so drastically different lives. And when I'm saying different lives, I could say we come from career, uh, very it could be career. Yeah. Yep, we, or it could be uh, it could be even cultural. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to focus more on like the the career aspect. Mm-hmm. Like uh, how does that play out? for living God's call, divine call for each of our lives when we're doing such drastically different things. Amen. Yeah, I think that is such a good question. I, I really do. And I think that the first place you go is is back to Jesus. You look at the two kind of parts of the mandate to um, image the divine and rule creation on his behalf. And you look mm-hmm. at Jesus, who was the new Adam, who did it right, mm-hmm. Um did he image God? Very much so, because he was God. Yeah, he um, is the image of God. Yeah, he, <laughs> so he nailed that one. Yeah. Check and check box one. Box one. Um, the second one, though, I think is interesting when you look at well, how did he rule creation on um, the Trinity's behalf? And you, I think, I think this is a good place to bring in the concept of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He brought the kingdom in, and the idea was. This is going to be a kingdom, an upside-down kingdom of people that believe me and that have uh, committed their lives to me, have mm-hmm. bought in fully um, in the gospel, mm-hmm. and that are willing to trust and lovingly um, obey God and His definition of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus would use that concept to change the world, mm-hmm. um, really to rule creation. And so I think that... As believers, uh, the reason I love this question is I think so many people, especially in Christendom, do have the idea of the Monty Python, like, wait for your call from mm-hmm. God, the yep. grail to appear in the <laughs> yeah. clouds, and then you'll know what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. with your life. And I feel mm-hmm. like that is admirable to want to know what God um, desires of you, um, but also a little bit misled in all honesty. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Because or, you're missing those two original mandates go yeah. ahead or or in christian culture we sort of see like a divine call being that of a pastor mm. Or, mm. or or someone like yourself who is going to seminary right and, and so they're the ones who sort of have the divine call we're just sort of the yes we're followers of jesus but we sort of have our secular world that we operate to make money mm. in right we mm. and so i think that's I'm sort glad of the you common perspective up, because Christians. yeah that that mm-hmm. is a common conception that is actually if you if you trace it more back towards it root its roots, mm-hmm. it runs to a Greek line of thinking um, among that. And mm-hmm. and so how do we address this? Like uh, God's A team is a are, are those who mm-hmm. are a quote unquote in ministry, and it could be in a, a teaching or a or a pastor prospect versus those that mm-hmm. maybe uh, have other occupations, whether it's what shipbuilder? I don't know any yeah, shipbuilder. Shipbuilder. I wish shipbuilder. I did. We're in Wyoming. <laughs> Good job not messing up that phrase. <laughs> I wouldn't even attempt. <laughs> um, but like them having the idea in their own minds, sure, uh, that they are a, a B team. That that mm-hmm. that there's God mm-hmm. secondary. And sure. So sure. How do you how do you confront that type of thinking? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I. Uh, I'm I'm definitely interested. I want to hear both of your thoughts. I this is kind of near and dear to me because I I just feel like we do a giant disservice to the greater kingdom of God and everyone in it when we say uh, if you're in full time ministry you have the call and otherwise you just 
you know, do your thing. That's so unbiblical. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, when we go back to those two ideas, imaging the divine and ruling creation on his behalf, we can image God, every single one of us, and are called to Mm -hmm. uh, by the idea of Shema, so devoted, obedient love, or listen and obey, essentially, God, Mm -hmm. and others. It's the two greatest commandments, love God, love others. Mm -hmm. And then we rule creation on God's behalf, really, by bringing life, uh, beauty and utility uh, for the glory of God and good of others. So mm-hmm. if you are, and that's good. If I you're like that. graphic designer, you're a miner, mm. uh, you're a financial um, expert, you're a firefighter. Just to hit all three of us in this room, there we go. Um, <laughs> regardless of what you're doing, you if you are if you are bringing um, if you are harnessing creation mm-hmm. for the glory of God and good of others whether that be through the beauty of art or the Mm -hmm. utility of of, um, finances or infrastructure or Mm -hmm. um, EMS or the beauty of uh, design. Mm -hmm. And that's that's fulfilling the mandate. And certainly there's spreading the gospel and loving others well and all of that. But how the kingdom gets spreads. Mm -hmm. Yes. So spreading, advancing the kingdom in... And really, if I had to break it down, I would say, because I know, you know, hopefully, and I've come to this point where we say, well, how do, how do I know how to best do that? So if I think of how do I best advance the kingdom um, by imaging God mm-hmm. and ruling creation on its behalf, how do, how do I, that sounds great, but how do I do that? How do I know how I should do that? Mm-hmm. And to me, the best way to think of that is four ways. You have your giftings. So what has God gifted you at? What are you good at? Okay. We all have giftings. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your personality and design? Um, someone that absolutely hates speaking to a large group, or be, <laughs> you're probably not the public speaker. Yep. Of, of the, that's probably not your call. That's okay. That's all right. Um, also, your desires. Moses. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. He's the exception. Touche. <laughs> um, you're going to be that yeah. guy. So, sorry. <laughs> Great. No, but also your desires would be the third. So what mm-hmm. do, what do you want to do? And then your experiences. Because I think if we say, okay, we have this holy grail of the calling, and you have someone that has messed up, they've chosen to define good and evil for themselves, mm-hmm. as we all have at times. And you have someone, I, I, Preston and I were talking about this, but you come out of prison for a bad choice you made. You're very limited in options. You're... Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the only option you have is you go work on the chicken farm, you know, and is God's plan over for that person? Are they done? Oh, Are man, they I'm on glad the you bring that up. B yeah. team? And I would say absolutely not. If you are, because when you're harnessing creation to feed thousands and you're also imaging God well to those around you in the workplace and you're working as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. to me, that is fulfilling fulfilling the original mandate just as well as someone that's speaking to thousands. Um, I, I think it's different for every one of us and no call is less valid. I, Man, I truly awesome. believe that. And so the motif yeah, that's there, cool. that's cool. Um, the way in which we image God is that we're, what you're saying is that we, um, we image God who created everything out of nothing ex nihilo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in a similar kind of way in our, in each, um, in each uh, industry that we participate in, mm-hmm. we're kind of doing something similar. We're creating something ostensibly Absolutely. out of nothing. Right. Or maybe out of something, but we're bettering it. We're cultivating mm-hmm. that, as it were, and and bringing order from chaos. Improve. Man, that is cool. Goes back to that original design, bringing it back to Genesis, mm-hmm. taking that chaos, and then God setting his creation to do what he intended in the first place. Spread life, spread Man. godliness, utility, cool. uh, love, love, compassion, mm-hmm. yep. and joy. This has been good. Hey, you are listening. I, I want to do one more, one more topic. I think we would do a little bit of a disservice if we didn't at least mention uh, mention this. And so, you're still listening. So you're still listening. You're still listening. <laughs> oh, and prematurely called, and we're. <laughs> 
We're professionals here, people. <laughs> so what's interesting, though, is um, so, so Genesis chapters 1 through 3 is sort of the narrative context there, man uh, with God in a garden, mm-hmm. right? And, and so mm. the call is that man is meant to um, exercise dominion over creation, to mm-hmm. uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, spread godliness. Yep. Um, but man, uh, for that, that uh, right and, and that work was... Um, uh, it wasn't usurped. We, we gave that up, right? Yes. Adam gave that mm-hmm. up. Um, there was a promise of the seed. There's the story of restoration. But then the Bible actually ends not with us just merely doing this sort of um, this sort of image of God work in a fallen world mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. for eternity. There's going to be an end of all things. Mm. And the end of all things isn't just being whisked away to heaven one day where we sort of right. only sing yep. and we're on clouds and there's chubby babies, right? Mm. With harps. And, like, I that's, hope there are chubby babies. Well, <laughs> chubby babies are cute. I love chubby babies. <laughs> and we're going to know more than one song. <laughs> but but that that's the that's dun, sort of dun, the image. Dun, 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 okay. Dun, dun, dun. okay. I'm sorry. Owen, I was going to make a wow. point. No, but and that's... you're listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I'm no. tracking. I'm tracking. I like Thank, you. Thank you for tracking, Nathan. There so so there's so man's commissioned, right? To yes. I'll just restart it. Thanks, so. Oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> no. What what the point I'm trying to say is that the Bible actually ends with a with with sort of a narrative restoration image mm-hmm. where there's yeah, a new yep. heavens and new earth mm-hmm. where man is now reconciled back to God <laughs> and there are they rule forever and ever. Right. Yeah, we're back Man. to the garden. So we're back to the garden. And why would we think that all of a sudden the reason we were in the garden mm-hmm. is gone? Is void. Like it's a mm-hmm. shadow of what will come for eternity. Yep. Is... And so we're practicing. Yes. We're, we're, yeah. we're sort of practicing in our own individual. And, and I don't know the details of what the mm. new heavens and new earth will look like. But if we're going to be ruling and reigning. Yeah. Man. It makes sense. Imagine. Imagine the sort of industries and wonderful uh, work and fruit that could come mm. about from a non-fallen world. That is that so, is pretty cool to think about the implications mm, of yep, that. That you are participating and practicing no, for that with mm. no obstacles, living out. So mm-hmm. practice original y'all. mandate. So practice, practice. <laughs> yeah, done. Okay, practice we're exercising dominion and godliness. Three. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to Shadowcast Radio. Thanks for listening to us. Thank you for listening to Shadowcast Radio. All music is produced by Andrew Neeland. Administrative support provided by Jess Brasington. Each show is written, produced, and hosted by Owen Brasington, Preston Ackerman, and Nathan Brasington. Please reach out to us with your comments and questions at feedback at shadowcastradio.com. <laughs>